This is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to helping engineers succeed in work and life. The show is hosted by engineering enthusiast Anthony Fasano and Chris Knutson. Both are professional engineers who found success early in their careers and now work together to help other engineers do the same. Now it's showtime. Hello, this is Anthony Fasano, and this is the show for engineers who want to succeed in both work and life. In today's episode, I'm going to break down for you the Engineering Career Summit that we recently held in New Orleans, Louisiana. I'm going to give you the key takeaways. The event was so much fun. The speakers and panelists were just amazing. They just kept giving value and value and value. So we've put together here some of the key takeaways from the summit that we can run through here with you on today's episode that hopefully you can then go ahead and implement. And I'll give you some tips for doing that in the Take Action Today segment at the end of the episode. Before we get into the show, I do want to take a moment to recognize our sponsor for today's episode, PPI. They were also the sponsor of the Engineering Career Summit, and they gave away 10 free prep manuals, which was really awesome. Really glad to have them on board. If you're thinking about taking the FEPE or SE exam, I recommend that you check out PPI, the leader in engineering exam prep. PPI is offering a special 20% discount to listeners of this podcast. Use the promo code COACH at ppi2pass.com. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com, and use the promo code COACH for a 20% discount. All right, now let me give you a quote related to the episode for today that'll bring us right into the main segment of the show. And the quote is by no other than Ernest Hemingway, and it goes as follows. There is nothing noble in being superior to your fellow man. True nobility is being superior to your former self. And this is really the theme of this episode, which is growth development. That's why the engineers who came to the summit, they were focused on growing. And just really appreciate that they came down again, the members of our community, the Engineering Mastermind, the people that were local there in New Orleans, everybody got together to make for an awesome event. All right, so let's do it. All right, so here we go. It's the main segment of the show and the takeaways from our summit. The show notes for today, you'll be able to find them at engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash lowercase ECS2016. That's ECS2016. And this way we'll be able to summarize these key points on one webpage for you, as well as it links to any resources, websites, or books that I might have mentioned during the show. Again, that'll be at engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash lowercase ECS2016. So what I'll do here is I'm going to run through a couple of our keynote sessions and the panels that we had. We had a bunch of executives in the engineering field just giving out really valuable information in hopes that you can take it and utilize it. The first session that I want to go over is Building Your Engineering Career Flywheel by Will Schneer. Will is the CEO of Big Red Dog Consulting. He's certainly been a friend of the Engineering Career Coach as he's been on both of our podcasts, both the Engineering Career Coach and the Civil Engineering Podcast. His last episode that he did on the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, we talked about this idea of a flywheel. What a flywheel is, it was actually episode 86. He came on with his partner, Russell, and they talked about it, but then In this session at the summit, he spent two hours on talking about how to construct your flywheel in each situation of your engineering career, whether you're just starting off as an EIT, as a project manager, as an owner, as an executive. He walked through all these different examples. So 
the concept of a flywheel is that if you push on this flywheel constantly and consistently over time, it can run on its own, even if you let up on certain aspects of it, right? So you could just picture this in your mind. It came from, well, Will referenced Jeff Bezos from Amazon. He has a book called The Everything Store where he talks about how they use a flywheel at Amazon and Will actually showed that flywheel. But I understand there's no graphics in this podcast, so I'm just going to give you some of the value points from the presentation. One thing that Will said that was big was that consistency and intentionality are two things that you absolutely have to focus on in your career as an engineer. And well, quite frankly, probably as any professional, right? Being consistent and being intentional about things. That kind of hit home for me, for sure. So he gave an example of how he constructs this flywheel for the business development aspect of growing his firm. And and his firm, Big Red Dog, was ranked the 26th fastest growing engineering company in North America last year. So, you know, his flywheels are working. So some of the things around his business development flywheel were more relationships, look for different opportunities, build your network, give value to people so that they come back for more, right? So if you can visualize this, it's literally just a a wheel. So there's something in the middle, like let's say your company growth or your career growth, then you put these different circles around it that all attribute to it. So like getting your license, getting other certifications, working with a good company, broadening your experience, right? So you build this flywheel out. And then as long as you're working on all of those different things, the wheel's going to start to turn and build up momentum. And as it builds up momentum, your career is going to grow because that's what's in the middle, right? It's going to grow as long as it's rolling. And if you like lag on getting maybe a certification for a year, the other parts of the flywheel are still carrying the wheel. And then you can get back to that, right? But it's not going to slow down. I mean, personally, my thoughts on this is that I absolutely love this. I spent the time drawing about three or four flywheels while I was listening to Will. And what I love about this concept is that it really ensures that you're working on the right tasks, right? Because if you're working on something that's not pushing your flywheel forward, then you're not working on something that makes sense for you, at least not for your goal. I also think that you can really combine this flywheel theory with the 80-20 rule, which we talked a lot about in the last episode, Chris and I, when we did the Q&A episode. If you have a flywheel and you've identified, let's say, like that you need to get certifications in your career to grow your career, then you could think about the 80-20 approach. Well, which of the certifications is going to give me the biggest bang for my buck? Maybe it's your PE, maybe it's your lead, maybe it's something else. So I I think that the combination of this flywheel plus the 80-20 could really be all you need to design and grow your engineering career. All right, the next session was another keynote session that I want to discuss briefly, which was called Intergenerational Teamwork and Effective Leadership by Deborah Keller. And Deborah worked for the Port of New Orleans for a very long time. And now she has, she was actually the chief engineer there. Now she has her own consulting engineering business. And this presentation was interesting in that it was about how each generation of people show up, how they communicate, what their tendencies are. It's actually really important because. If you're working and you have a boss from a previous generation, an older generation, you might want to understand this. You can communicate the best with your boss, your clients, or the people that work for you. They might approach the job differently. How do they balance the demands of work and life? Do they value loyalty? Do they accept authority? Communicate? How do they lead? So a couple of key points here for me were you need to learn how to draw upon the experience of the different generations and then leverage that experience. So yeah, you may not get along with your boss who's 30, 40 years older than you, but he may be you know, one of the best experts in the field. So how do you learn from him and then leverage that experience? 
You might have to put up with some generational gaps or some issues with communication, but understand how you can benefit, how the company can benefit from that relationship. Deborah also talked a little bit about gender influencing communication, gender and generation. So you have to really understand how people want to be communicated to. This can't be any more important as a project manager. That's obvious. And one other point that she mentioned that really stood out for me was that with the older generations, you have to earn their respect. And, you know, this could be up for debate, of course. This is kind of some of her opinions based on her experiences and some of the research she did. But she was kind of saying that, like, someone who's from an older generation, you really have to earn their respect before they're going to trust you. You don't want to work comfortably with you. Whereas a younger generation, we tend to trust and respect people quicker. Now, I don't know if you think that there's any truth for that. That's something for you to think about. But I think that understanding generation gaps can really help to improve your communication skills and the way you communicate with the important people in your career. And you should consider that. All right, we're going to jump into our panels now. We had some really awesome panels. I mean, they were on pretty, you know, topics that you'd probably assume we're going to talk about, but they went some interesting directions. So we had this first panel on leadership, talking about the importance of cultivating leadership in your career, in your company. It was one of those topics where you're kind of like, this is a general topic, but it ended up being very powerful. We had Croft Edwards, who was a leadership coach on the panel. We had Christy Mirambell on the panel. We had uh, Phil Zimmerman on the panel. It was just basically engineers asking questions about leadership. And here's what came out of it, which was interesting. Create metrics for your team. Actually, this was one that was brought up by Andrew Woodward, who's a young engineer. He heads up the ASC Younger Member Group in New Orleans. And he said, create metrics for your team, which I thought was really great, right? We think about leadership a lot of times as more of a qualitative quality as opposed to something that's quantitative and can actually be measured. So if you can put some metrics in place for your team so you can measure them on a regular basis and let them know they're being measured, that might really help you to get them inspired, get them working towards something. Be really clear on the results that you want to have. This is one that I think a lot of engineering managers really miss out on. You're not clear enough on the expectations. You don't sit with the people and go over what you want as opposed to just telling them to do X, Y, or Z. That can change the game completely because it can change the way people work, the quality of the work they do, just by having a simple conversation and clarifying. Empower people to own what they're doing, own their work. I believe this is something that Christy threw out there. Empower people to own your work. That's a powerful, powerful statement, but how do you do it? How can you really empower people to own their work? And I think one of the ways to do it is to get everybody moving towards a common goal that they're interested in. I think that can be really, really important. And Christy Mirambil, who talked about that on the panel, she was actually on our civil engineering podcast, episode 24, where she talked about how she left her company, but got the owners of her previous employer to invest in her new venture and help her get the company started, which was an inspiring story. Some words that came out during the panel, truth, trust, integrity, honesty, confidence, empowerment, and alignment, all very powerful words. Croft Edwards had a great point on understand the personal profile of each team member. Again, something I think a lot of leaders fail to do. You have a team of two people, three people, 20 people. Do you know each one of them? Do you know what you can come to them for? Do you know what their strengths are? It was recommended to use a strengths finder or the strengths finder assessment tool to be able to gauge your 
team's talents. And I think this is something that we've looked at in the past. We haven't used it yet, but it's a book. I believe you can go to strengthsfinder.com and learn more about it. But a lot of organizations that I know use this StrengthsFinder test to identify all of the strengths and potential weaknesses of their staff and then try to build their team and build their strategies around that. Compliance versus commitment came up. A lot of employees will just try to be compliant as opposed to committed and really going towards a goal. But again, that's the leader's challenge to move people from compliance to commitment. As a leader, you should clearly define the goals for yourself, and then you can let them know your goals for the team. You can let your team know, right? You can't really lead a team without being clear on what your goals are. It's just not going to carry through. You need to know where you're leading them to. Another point that came up in this session that I've heard before and I love is people don't quit their job, they quit their boss. And if you think about this quote for a while, it's actually really powerful and it's something that you know you can really kind of lean on is people don't quit their job, they quit their boss. And that's why you need to be a strong leader. You'll lose really good team members if you're not. If you don't have the inspiration from within your company at the top of your company, some, someone asked like what happens if your leaders aren't very inspiring? Christy Mirambell actually said, look down, look at the people that you're leading and get the inspiration from them. Croft Edwards made another great point is in that we always have choices in our career as leaders. Even if you feel like you're at a place where you can't grow anymore, then you've got a choice. You could switch companies, you can switch up something you're doing in your personal development. You don't have to just sit there. And that's very important to understand that. You always have a choice. And the last point I'll leave on this session was, somebody made this point, was recognize that you're dealing with something much bigger than yourself. You need to be moving towards a common goal, common theme, something that is going to get the whole team inspired, and you have to think of it beyond just your career. All right, the next session was on business development. It was, again, a panel. We had Carl Herrick, who owns a Sandler training company in the New Orleans area. That's a sales-based company for sales training. We had Perrin Olson from Hinge Marketing. Sylvia Montgomery from Hinge has been on our podcast in the past talking about becoming a visible expert. We had Jim Rogers from the Seller Doer Academy for Civil Engineers. That's a venture that we recently started up with Jim. And then we had, again, Christy Mirambell, who just started her own company not long ago, and she's been building it up. So some points that came out of the business development panel were group your clients as A, B, or C, and think about how they're going to affect you financially. Big, small, medium clients. It's okay to fire clients. This came up quite a bit. Some clients end up costing you a lot of time, a lot of money, and a lot of effort, and you're better off without them, actually. And that's hard for some engineers to process that and to actually pull the trigger on that. Understand the competency of people and develop them. Again, that's kind of more of a leadership point, but that's still something that's very important, understanding what people are capable of. Always try to think, what is the client's perspective? Ask that question over and over. What is the client's perspective? Because if you can't get your head inside of the client, it's going to be hard to develop new business and bring these clients in. Becoming a visible expert, again, we have an entire episode on that. That was a, something that Perrin Olson from Hinge Marketing started talking about getting into becoming an expert, which is definitely important in your career. If you don't have that expertise level as an engineer, then people, quite frankly, aren't going to want to come to you. Why would they want to come to you if you're not considered an expert? So definitely focus on that. And you focus on becoming an expert by building up your technical expertise in the field, getting in front of people 
answering questions for people, presenting in front of people. That's how you become a visible expert. And we'll link to the episode that we did with Sylvia Montgomery where she went through becoming a visible expert. We'll run through that episode. Challenge yourself on what you can do that complements your current company. So if you are in a company and they do something really well, well, what can you do along the same lines as that? You can try to focus on that and build a niche in that area. How much time should you be talking when you do sales and business development? Probably 30% of the time is what people said. And again, Carl Herrick is a real sales expert, so he gave us some great advice. So if you're in a sales or business development situation, you should only be doing the talking 30% of the time. I know that's tricky for us as engineers. We want to lead. We want to give out information, but we got to be wise about that. Never burn bridges. That's a good one to learn. Some of the panelists had good stories about that. Whether you leave a company or you end up not working with a client or you don't get a proposal you went for, keep avenues open for yourself. There's three categories for someone to become a new client. Number one, they have to be able to afford you. They have to have a pain or a pleasure that you're either going to help them solve or help them accentuate on. They have to have the authority to make a buying decision. If people have, if the person you're dealing with has those three things, their company has those three things, then they can become a buyer. And if they don't, you may be wasting your time. You must know what makes you unique if you're going to bring in new business. What makes you and your firm unique? Because there's a million people out there trying to get that person's business. You have to know if you're a painkiller or a vitamin, which again was a funny way to say it. But what that means basically is if there's a company that has a really, really big problem and you can solve it, then you're a painkiller. But if everything's going good for that company and they don't necessarily need help, then you're just a vitamin. You're just trying to add to what they already have going for them. And that could change the sales process. A last few points here. Think about asking for referrals. If you have a client and things are going very well, you could say something like, can you think of someone like you who could benefit from what I offer or what we offer as a company? And you'd be surprised. You'll get some nice referrals from people. And lastly, relationships versus commodity. So you need to understand that a relationship is valuable and you can't just throw them away. That's where all your business comes from is your relationships. So build, build, build those relationships. All right, last one I'm going to cover here is the path to partnership panel. Of course, we always get questions by engineers. How do I become a partner, owner in my firm? So this panel was Will Schneer, Jim Hance, CFO of Eustace Engineering, who also gave a keynote. And then again, Deborah Keller. First big point that came out was partnership is not management. It's a lot more than that. So don't think that you're going to become a partner just because you're a good manager. There's all kinds of intricacies to partnership. One of the key things that Will Schneer said was you need to bring in more to the firm than you take out, right? Not necessarily in a salary sense, but the firm's got to recognize that you're bringing a lot to the table, more than you're taking from it in order for you to start moving up to this partner status. You always want to try to anticipate where you're going next in your career, where the company's going next. You can get a good beat on the timelines of these things and how long it's going to take to actually become a partner and then understand the financial part of being a partner right? Because there is a big financial part of it. And you need to understand that. One of the easy ways to become a partner, the pathway to principles, to be the best at what you do in your position. I've mentioned that a bunch of times on this podcast. So I think that's pretty clear by now that you've got to be an expert in your field if you want to get to a good place. Express to your firm that you want that opportunity. And we've done a podcast with Jonathan Volkel on understanding the financial kind of and some of the aspects of partnership. And again, we'll link to that one in our show notes here. 
which will be at engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash lowercase ECS 2016. But that's a big one. You've got to let people know. And Jonathan talked about that a lot in that episode. You've got to go into your supervisor in Boston, let them know you want to be a partner. It doesn't have to be a surprise. Let them know and start to understand what you're going to need to do to get there. There are some negative aspects too of being an owner and a partner in an engineering firm. And these were some eye openers because I think everybody thinks that if I'm a partner in a firm, I'm going to have a lot of money. It's going to be easy. I'm going to be rolling along. But that's not necessarily the case. It can be very stressful. There could be cash flow problems. The company could have issues converting the revenue to cash, right? Which becomes your problem. There could be debts on the company that, again, you'll have to deal with as a partner. There's a tremendous fiscal responsibility that goes with becoming a partner. Will Schneer urged that being an owner is not a way to get rich, especially in the first few years of a company. There are a lot of up cycles and a lot of down cycles. And Will knows this because he started his company from scratch. So those are some of the positives, some of the negatives, and then some of the ways to accelerate towards the path to partnership. And we will feature some of these sessions on upcoming episodes of the podcast. If you went to the summit or you're a member of our engineering mastermind community, we're posting more detailed stuff in the community. We'll probably post uh, some videos, some audios, et cetera. And if you're not a member of the mastermind, consider joining it at theengineeringmastermind.com. Not only does it really support the podcast and the content that we put out for you, but it gives you access to really motivated engineers and an amazing amount of forum strings that we've built up over the years of basically any question you could have in your engineering career answered by engineers that went through the same situation. All right, now I'm going to move into our last segment, the Take Action Today segment of the show, and wrap this episode up with some tips on how to actually implement these things. All right, now it's time for our Take Action Today segment of the show, and I'm going to give you, just talk to you about implementation of these items that I've given you today. We go to conferences, we get all kinds of information, and then looks like we go home, we get thrown back to the lions of all the work we have to do. So how do we implement? All right, so let me give you some tips here. But before I do that, let me again thank our sponsor for today's episode and the Engineering Career Summit, PPI. Engineers often ask me what exam prep materials or review courses they should use when preparing for the FEPE or SE exam. Hands down, I recommend PPI. I personally used PPI's materials to pass my exams, and I recently had a chance to demo their review courses online, and they're really easy to use and so functional and practical. This is why I feel so confident recommending PPI for those of you planning to take the next step in your engineering career. PPI is offering a special 20% discount to listeners of this podcast. Use the promo code COACH at ppitopass.com. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com, and use the promo code COACH for a 20% discount. And please, if you need to get materials for your PEFESE, please use PPI, use the discount code. Please support them because they are supporting this show and helping to keep it free for you, and it really helps us to keep going. All right, so let's talk implementation here. This is what I've been doing so far. I've actually been using Will's flywheel theory, well, his theory, but Bezos's theory that Will talked about. And so what I've been doing is for whatever project I'm working on, let's say maybe it's a, say the engineering career coach, for example, right? We'll come up with what are all the critical components of growing the engineering career coach, right? Developing high quality content, sharing the content, potentially looking for revenue sources, et cetera. And then like in our to-do list system that we use, each one of those becomes like a heading. So like developing high quality content, 
Then under the subheading, I might have find some high quality guests, come up with some high quality outlines for podcasts, etc. The point is for you, identify the key, three or four key things that are going to move your career growth flywheel or whatever you want to focus on, leadership skills, your career growth, etc. And identify those three or four things and try to do something every day in as many of those fields as possible. Could be one thing a day in one of those fields, could be one in each of the two fields. But here's the key. Don't go a lot of days without pushing on your flywheel. Even if it's simple, like I'm learning Italian right now. So every day I do something. Could be a simple like 20 minute, 15 minute coffee break Italian podcast, which I really enjoy. Could be listening to a dialogue that's three minutes on YouTube. Could be reading two pages in a book in Italian, but I just keep pushing on the flywheel and overall I'm getting better. But if I skip days, then I'm not going to improve. So you go to a conference, you get a lot of information. How do you implement it? You just do little things, but you have to do them every day. Like Will said, you got to be consistent and intentional. And that's what I want you to try to do. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. We'd love to hear your feedback, comments, and or questions. Go to engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash lowercase ECS 2016. I will monitor all the comments there and respond if you leave one. And please consider joining us in our engineering mastermind so you can really get to know the people that come to these events, the other motivated engineers around the country, because they can help you succeed as well. And again, that's theengineeringmastermind.com. Until next time, please continue to engineer your own success. Thank you for listening to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. Be sure to visit engineeringcareercoach.com where you can find all past episodes and also download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also to help develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.